Hi, and welcome to this week's video or podcast, depending on how you're consuming this media. And today is all about staffing. In fact, the title of this video or podcast is Hire the Best and Forget the Rest, which is a really important thing to understand if you're a business owner. And it's a pretty crappy uh, day here, weather-wise, in the Northern Beaches, Sydney. There was some Pretty decent surf this morning, and I forgo it, which is a very rare thing for me to do. But it's cold and rainy and grey. So being inside doing a video podcast is a favourable thing to be doing on a day like today. Oftentimes it's very sunny and beautiful here, and I like to go and play outside. Anyway, let's get to the subject. And we're going to sort of contrast quickly what it's like when you hire really good quality staff versus just the normal everyday run-of-the-mill staff because your experience as a business owner will be completely different depending on the quality of your team. If you've got good effective people on your team, I'm going to tell you right now, your life tends to be really quite blissful. If you've just got average sort of run-of-the-mill people on your team, you're going to struggle and suffer and if you've got really bad people on your team you are going to experience an awesome amount of stress that you just don't need to and it will undermine your business productivity and profitability once we sort of run through that we're going to have a look at some patterns that business owners often bring to their business and staffing and undermine which undermines the effective uh, recruitment and management of, the, of their team. So to start, if you have very, very good people on your team, they're absolutely effective and they get the job done properly and often in half the amount of time that it takes an average or mediocre staff member to do that job. And the important thing about this is they need little supervision I've just done a webinar on overwhelm and in that webinar I talked about business solutions to overwhelm and of course overwhelm happens when there's just way too much information coming at us we've got too many tasks to do and it overwhelms our ability to think uh, really well uh, overwhelms our ability to make good quality decisions now anyone that's a business owner has experienced that i know that i experience that from time to time because i'm building businesses and so i'm often moving out of my comfort and competency zones so i'm already feeling oh this is a bit nervy oh i'm unsure about this because it's often something outside of my skill set <clears throat> which is what you want to be doing, by the way, if you're constantly moving and growing and evolving your business. You want to be moving out of your uh, old comfort and competency zones um, into the unknown while you build something that's more appealing to your clients and yourself. Anyway, so when we're moving out of competency and uh, comfort zones and we're feeling a little bit stressed and unsure, it's really important that we as business owners have space and time to work through our projects in a calm and collected manner so that we make effective decisions and we're operating efficiently. 
Now what's this got to do with staff? As I said before, if you've got really good staff, they are really effective at what they do uh, and typically they get the job done in half the time. So when you've got a, a team of, of really good staff that are effective and get stuff in half the time, you'll find that you don't have to micromanage them. They're so good, they're, they've got similar values to you, which we'll talk about in a second. And so you can sort of rest assured that you can just concentrate on your projects and they can concentrate on their projects. Now, if you trust them because they're a high performer, then what that means is that your energy is able to just concentrate on what you needed to concentrate on. Now, if you have staff that are just average, then you won't trust them. And not only will you have your workload, but in the back of your mind, you're always wondering and worrying about that person. Are they doing the project properly? So your attention gets divided. So I'm sure you can see that that leads to uh, greater amounts of uh, um, overwhelm and stress. So again, the key point here is that really good effective staff, good people, need little supervision so that you can just get about doing what you do and concentrating on that. Typically, average staff always have millions of questions for you um, and they've got to come to you to uh, work through things that they should just be able to do on their own. And that, again, becomes a drain on your energy and creates roadblocks in the business because you're taken away from what you're supposed to be doing and they're not performing what they're supposed to be doing. And you've got to spend all this time dialoguing and, and training them. So you, you can start to see how uh, just even average staff will undermine your ability as a business owner to be in what we call your highest dollar productive zone. The other thing about really good staff is that they don't tend to make messes. Um, once the project is finished, it's finished effectively and properly, and you as a business owner go, Yahoo, I didn't have to have much to do with that project, and look, it's working really, really well. When you're working with average staff, oftentimes they'll make mistakes or there'll be a mess, and that mess you're called in to clean up you're called in to fix it as the head of your business. And again, what happens is that's taking you away from what you need to do and what you need to focus and, and concentrate on your high-style productive zone. Case in point, uh, last year I broke my own recruitment rules because I had a friend who runs a recruitment business and she provided me with a staff member that she promised me uh, had all these attributes fitting for the position. And <coughs> as I said, I broke my own rules. We have really high success rates with our recruitment processes and our clients do because our clients use our recruitment systems, have really high accuracy in just repelling average uh, people from even applying, sort of ensuring that anyone that uh, finally get selected will have the right skill set and the right internal ethics and value structures to be a high performer. And so this particular person came on and uh, was the kind of person that liked to show everyone that she was the boss, that she knew what she was um, on about, um, 
she didn't like to ask questions because from her perspective that made her look like she was weak or, or didn't know enough to do the job so she sort of arrogantly went on with the project. I would have preferred to find out earlier that she didn't have the skill set that the, my friend had told me she had. And anyway, the, the messes that we had to deal with, that's me and my team, as a result of her not being able to pull that project through, it, it cost us good dollars and lots of wasted time and had impact on our clients. So I very rarely break my own rules, but I did then and paid the price. The the other aspect about having high performers on your team is they lift the standards of everyone around them. They're inspiring to others. So if you've got, say, three or four really high performers on your team in uh, positions of responsibility, then that lifts everyone else. They're inspired by them. So. Typically, you can see how that makes it joyful for a business owner because anyone that's a high performer, of course, will have the same value structures as you. Uh, a business owner tends to have high standards, high performance standards, uh, strong work ethic. Average staff don't, and good quality staff do. They feel like a really good person when they perform highly. They feel like they're contributing when they deliver with very high standards. So it's pretty important to say that a high performer, uh, they derive intrinsic rewards for being very good at what they do, where average staff don't. They're okay with themselves. So it's an example, and we use this a lot, by the way, that a high performer will feel guilt and shame if they perform to or make mistakes or perform less than to lessen their ideal and again as a business owner that's amazing because you don't have to beat staff up you don't have to give them a hard time so you can just let the staff member know that they made the mistake and they feel shame and guilt and will self-correct this is because they're internally motivated now again i think again just to reiterate the major benefit of having these good quality staff other than their ability to perform really well, their ability to uh, align with your company values of high standards, uh, the, the, their ability to produce more pro profit, their high levels of profitability, their, their innovative uh, approach. The real big saving is, again, you don't have to worry. You're okay with doing what you need to do because you know they're doing what they're supposed to do. And so that just has major ramifications on your health, on your peace of mind. You tend to enjoy working with them because they share the same value structure. So in some way, if I look at my team, I often think of them as peers. They're peers of mine. They're, they're equals of, of mine. Where when you have average staff, they tend to sort of have what we consider to be adolescent, uh, you know, their adolescent stage of development. And you might be going, well, what do you mean by that, Perry? Well, at adolescent stage of development, you know, just think about your teenagers, you've got them. What they're doing is they're trying to manipulate you to get what they want, and they want to do as little as possible. So they don't want to tidy out their room, they don't want to follow your rule structures, but they'll find ways to appease you so that they... Uh, and try and manipulate you and get away with what they can. Um, so this is the same with a lot of average staff. 
Now, average staff typically, by the way, as a business owner leaves their business, their average staff member will start mucking around. Of course, because as I, in opposition to the high performers, um, average staff, they don't feel bad about themselves if they're not performing highly. That's not their value structure. So you leave your business and they start mucking up or working at 50% rate and joking around. So you can already see what that's gonna cause you. And if we come back to that key principle, something that I think is important to reiterate that you're unconsciously gonna be going, oh, are they doing what I want them to do? Are they, are they, are they, are they performing? I hope they're treating my staff, prop, prop, uh, my clients properly, etc." And so that just means that your energies places that it doesn't need to be, which will lead to drain, burnout, uh, tiredness. Now, the other thing with that is typically those types of people that you know don't have those high performance standards where you know they feel good about themselves for performing really well. Um, that type of person, you'll tend to spend all your time trying to coach and get get um, up to speed. You know, it's not your high performance that need lots of attention. It's always your average or your low performance that need all the attention. And you can spend all this time coaching them, uh, trying to get them right, giving them second and third chances. And that's just a fool's game. You're not a counselor, for one. Um, you're not a coach, secondly. And most importantly, you're wasting your time putting your effort and energy into those types of people because people don't shift their value structures quickly. Um, in fact, people go through their entire lives without shifting their value structures. So what you're actually trying to do is, you know, get them to be as internally motivated to perform highly as you are. And that just won't happen because it's just not how they're wired. And even if it does happen, even if it takes a year to get them there, is that what you're here to do? You know, you're wasting time, effort and energy when you should just have good people on your team who deserve your input. So there's some real key things there, I'm, I'm sure you can see. Now we're just going to cut a quick pattern. So um, if you have what we call the harmonizer or, or people pleaser style, meaning that part of your personality uh, consists of a sub-personality that says, um, the way to get liked is to do nice things for others, or the way to get respected is to do nice things for others. And there's a truth in that, by the way. But when it gets dysfunctional, so we'll talk about functional. If you've got a people-pleaser sub-personality, well, I have that, by the way. My people-pleaser sub-personality, if you're a client of mine, I really want you to have an amazing outcome. I, I really care for your experience when you work with us. So you can see that's functional. My people-pleaser part of me wants my children to be happy, my wife to be happy, uh, because there's genuine love with my people-pleaser part. However, a people-pleaser part can become dysfunctional, and it often gets dysfunctional when it's associated with what we call a low self-worth sub-personality that you may or may not be aware of, because it could be in the unconscious. And your gain from the dysfunctional element of your people-pleaser is to get like, so you don't have to feel your own sense of shame or low self-worth. So as a business owner, what will happen is you've got these average staff and in reality, you won't want to fire them because you don't want to be, excuse the language, a bitch or a bastard. You want to be perceived as that. Um, and you'll tend to be overly nice, overly coached, spend too much time with them, give them you know, chance after chance after chance. 
<laughs> and you'll feel like a good person when you give them the second, third, fourth, fifth chance, but they're just adolescents manipulating the adult, like teenagers do to their parents. And you'll be pulled into that, sucked into that. And of course, as I said, you don't want to seem like the bitch, you don't want to seem to be mean because you'll feel guilty. And typically, if you've got a really strong people pleaser, you know, you'll do all you spend all your time trying to get these sort of average staff up to speed, and they won't because their value structure is different to yours. And instead of confronting them, what you'll do is you'll tend to go home and offload that onto, you know, your partner. You'll, you'll go, oh, Sally did this today. I can't stand it. I've spoken to it a hundred times because you are afraid of, of showing your staff that because you're afraid that they'll reject you and you have to face your low self-worth. So you'll load that off and dump it onto someone that you are close to. Um, and finally, I just want to quickly share a story, interesting story. Um, well, I think it is. Uh, I've worked in a couple of cultures where I've been coaching these cultures. One was a, a salon business. Um, the other was a, a medical center. And the first one in the medical center the owner, in reality, had a crush on one of the, of the average staff. So in his team, he had three or four high performers, and he had this, a couple of sort of average staff, and he, he, he had this crush on the average staff member. And so he, even though she'd performed poorly, he would never give her a hard time, he would never reprimand her, discipline her, and the other staff saw that, and he would kind of favour her, even though she was sort of the poor performing staff because of this crush. And I talked to him, I talked to the team, separately, and that had undermined that culture so greatly because instead of the high performers being rewarded the high performance could see that this uh, poorer performer wasn't brought to task. I don't know if they knew he had a crush on her or not, they could just see that. So they felt undermined. They felt that, well, you know, that the boss doesn't really care about how this place performs because he won't pull her up. So again, it's really important from a cultural perspective to ensure that everyone's a high performer or, and, and that high performers are rewarded and, and those that aren't, aren't rewarded and seem to be disciplined and seem to be taken down the right channels like, hey, if you do that one more time, written warnings, etc. Um, again, a similar thing in the other example, which was a, a hair salon, where their highest performing hairstylist was an absolute biatch and that's a word I picked up in America a couple of months ago for bitch, biatch. And she's a prima donna. And you're really good at what she did, but a prima donna, she'd turn up late, she'd break the rules of, of, of the culture. And she felt like she could get away with anything because she was the, the star, the star performer. She brought the most money into the business. And anyway, after about four months of this, the business was really struggling. Staff morale was really, really low. And again, similar thing because if you've got one staff member who's performing really highly but doesn't fit with the, the cultural values, um, who's rebellious to the cultural values and sort of writing off their star profile, if you as a business owner, it can be hard, 
uh, don't move them on, you'll undermine everybody else on the team. So what you gain from that star performer will be, un will be um, reduced because everyone else will start to underperform because it impacts the staff culture. If you're interested in this, by the way, uh, go check out our webinar on how to um, recruit high performers. There's even recruitment advertisements in that uh, webinar, so you just go to perimountain.com and you'll see it under free resources there. I think it's called How to Employ a Superstar Team, Track to Recruit a Superstar Team or something like that. Anyway, till next week, there you go. Hope you enjoyed those tips. See ya.